We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Apparently, Texas and Oklahoma woke up and decided it was time for their football programs to just mean more as they are trying to leave the Big 12 to join the SEC. And we've got it all covered for you right here today on College Football Live. In a summer where change has been constant, college football continues that change now. Name, image, likeness, playoff expansion conversations. Everybody's freaking out. And now Texas and Oklahoma have come flying off the top rope with an elbow drop that may take down an entire conference of football. We're going to get the latest throughout the course of the day, and it starts right now with our great Heather Dinnage joining us, college football reporter. Heather, obviously this is what everybody's talking about. What's the latest you're hearing on the process for Texas and Oklahoma essentially joining the SEC? Well, sources in the Big 12 have told me today that as of today, that Texas and Oklahoma have not formally yet informed the Big 12 that they want to leave. That's important. It's a formality, but it's important because it's the first step in the process. And technically, the SEC can't formally reach out and invite them or accept an invitation until they do that. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Um, it could happen in the near future. Uh, I'm not expecting anything in the next 24 hours. Of course, that could always change. But right now, athletic administrators in that conference are trying to figure it out. There's a bit of a sense of frustration. Look, whatever you're going to do, tell us so we can make our plans and move along. You mentioned those plans, Heather. What would be next for the Big 12 if they choose to leave? Well, on a video conference call with the eight other schools, Oklahoma and Texas were not on it yesterday evening. They scratched the surface of what they would do if Texas and Oklahoma were to leave. And part of that conversation was, well, do we go back to Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, BYU, schools that had expressed interest the last time the Big 12 had considered expanding. And there, there wasn't really a deep dive into that conversation because the focus of the video conference on Thursday afternoon was to just to try to figure out what Oklahoma and Texas are doing, why they want to do it, and what their timeline is. And I get the sense from talking to people in that league today that not much has changed. They're still searching for answers. Well, Heather, we're always searching for answers. We appreciate your insight as we try and figure all – one day we'll talk about football. Until then, we appreciate you. Thank you. All right, so obviously not everybody's thrilled with this, including Texas Tech's athletic director, Ted Mitchell, who said, like many across our state and within the footprint of our league, I've been extremely disappointed by the actions and intentions of our friends in Austin and Norman. From day one of the Big 12 Conference's existence, Texas Tech has been a proud and trustworthy partner. Let's bring in some proud and trustworthy partners here. By the way, this statement also says the landscape of collegiate athletes shifts. I can promise Red Renner Nation that our leadership will diligently pursue all options to best position Texas Tech for long-term success. So let's break it down. Tom Lugenbull 
Harry Lyles. We got Lugs and Lyles. I feel like we've got the next best thing since air supply. Guys, got a lot to break down here. Lugs, let's start with you. What's next for the Big 12? Well, first and foremost, guys, is anybody as stunned as I am that in this day and age of access and instant information in the Internet and people not being able to keep their mouth shut, that this went on for six months and Bob Bowlesby and nobody else in the league had any clue this bomb was being dropped? I think that's, that's staggering. And it's almost sinister, if you will. What's next? The end of the Big 12. And the problem is, and listening to Heather there, the television rights negotiation and the power that you have has a lot to do with your member institutions. Is that going to cut it with a Houston, with a Memphis, with a Cincinnati? It, it, does that make up a Power Five conference? I don't think it does. I don't think you have a Power Five conference in the Big 12 without Texas or Oklahoma. There are four slots left to make a 16-team league in the Pac-12. Two in the Big Ten, two over in the ACC. Some teams better start planning an exit strategy. You mentioned the Pac-12, and before we get to you, Harry, let's at least acknowledge here what the Pac-12 commissioner had to say. As he said, quote, I consider the Pac-12 an exclusive club with a high barrier to entry. We love the schools and teams we have today. We're not actively seeking to poach any teams from any conference, but we'd be foolish to not listen if schools call us. So uh, kind of the, I, I think, the statement we would expect. Harry Lyles, what's next then for the Big 12 as they try and figure this out? I mean, first off, that's kind of a hilarious statement from the Pac-12 just to, like, say, hey, we're exclusive, but if you guys want in, we're listening. Uh, I Honestly, I feel like everybody's kind of got to be on their toes here right now just because when you look at what the SEC would become, if you are the Big 12, if you are the Pac-12, if you are the ACC, if you're the Big 10, you're open to anything at this point just so you could keep up with the SEC. You know, I actually just got back from SEC media days yesterday and they handed out these, which is supposedly antibacterial hand sanitizer. But I, I think this might be tears from the other four of the Power Five, because if you're them, you got to figure something out, and you got to figure something out quick, because it seems like this is happening a lot faster than we thought. Well, and, and keep in mind too, with Texas and Oklahoma, Harry, we've only had one team between those two actually challenge in the college in the college football playoff. All right, so now you remove another viable conference option to crash the party, and if we're going to talk about playoff expansion, we're inevitably going to start talking about power conferences being built around this. But that's part of this conversation, Luke, that I think is interesting because playoff expansion, even if we go to 12 teams, now other commissioners need to be looking around and saying, how do we protect ourselves from six or eight of those teams coming out of the SEC? Because that becomes a reality, right, doesn't it? It has to. I, I, I think it does. And, and, again, this is going to turn into a lot of CYA. Everybody's got to come up with a plan to be in the mix. Where are we going to belong? Where are we going to go? And let's not forget, this isn't just about the sport of football. Think about it if you're Kansas. You might say on the surface, oh, Kansas isn't overly uh, you know, attractive. Well, they are in basketball, so it's not just football. Yeah, Tom, and I think this honestly has a trickle-down effect to the group of five teams because yeah. you know some of the schools that you mentioned that could possibly join the Big 12 – uh, that's going to just continue to have a snowball effect. This is going to affect a lot of the smaller conferences as well, and I think that the effect here is just going to be something that none of us can really predict. Yeah, this is going to be epic, epic change, which we're getting used to this summer, but this really <laughs> truly changes the entire landscape. Now, if there's one thing we know, college football Twitter accounts are always on top of making us laugh, and this was no exception. Maryland wasted no time posting this from their official account, as you see. Uh, lose to Maryland in the Big Ten, swerve off, 
join the SEC. Good work by Maryland. Anytime <laughs> you control somebody in a little college football, uh, I love it. In the meantime, the dominoes that could fall from this situation are absolutely endless. We'll break down what all of it means for, I don't know, Notre Dame. That's right. It does impact Notre Dame. So, how we'll explain coming up later in the show. And also coming up, it's a new day under center for Ohio State. What's Coach Ryan Day's thoughts on the Buckeyes' expectations, particularly at the most important position in all of football? We'll get to that coming up College Football Live. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Fantasy Football's back with the season right around the corner. If you're like me, you need all the help you can get. Get your league set now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. One day I won't be terrible at it. Remember how much fun it was to watch Notre Dame play? Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. We're not there yet. The Buckeyes, media day. They talked. You'll hear some of it, and we'll get some thoughts on what the future looks like for Ohio State this season. That's coming up. But in the meantime, remember how much fun it was to watch Notre Dame play in the ACC last year. Want more of it? Don't we all? Well, new ACC commissioner Jim Phillips made it clear on Monday that some things in life just aren't that easy. The old kind of quip is Notre Dame loves two things. One is being Catholic. Second is independence. And sometimes those things get in reverse order. Sometimes they like independence even being more than Catholic. That's supposed to be a joke, but it didn't go over very well. I always explain that the best jokes need to be explained. David Hale, Tom Luganbill joining us. And obviously, this raises a lot of questions. David, I want to start with you on this. What conference, the ACC or the Big Ten, needs Notre Dame more? Uh, without question, it's the ACC. And, and the good th- news for Jim Phillips is that they at least have a slight upper hand in this. So when John Swafford brought Notre Dame into the ACC as a partial member in football and a full member in all other sports, part of that agreement requires Notre Dame, if they're going to join a conference, it has to be the ACC. And that agreement runs through 2036 when the ACC's grant of rights uh, runs out. So the if is whether they're going to join a conference. 
if that conference happens to, if they're going to do that, that conference is supposed to be the ACC. Well, I, I tell you, it, it not only is supposed to be, it would have to be if you were Jim Phillips, because when you look at the revenue brought in by the Power Five conferences prior to the pandemic, so fiscal year 2019, the Big Ten raked in $780 million, most of any Power Five conference, including the SEC. The ACC, right, racked in about $455 million. That's a huge gap. You have to have Notre Dame just from a revenue-producing standpoint, not to mention making your conference better. It's always about revenue with this call. So, given everything's about revenue, but Lugs, let me reverse it then. Who do you think uh, Notre Dame needs more, the ACC or the Big Ten? Oh, the ACC, without question. And here's why. If you, if you join the Big Ten, you become regionalized, all right? And I don't think Notre Dame ever wants to be regionalized. This goes back to Newt Rockney. And then also you expand your brand into the footprint with the most expansive, talented pool of high school recruits that there is in our country in the Southeast. So if you want to compete with a Clemson, an Ohio State, and an Alabama, you got to have access to players in that region, and the ACC puts you in that region. Right, and part of what, what comes along with this is the fact that, that they've already got an entry into the point into the league. They played last year in the ACC. Their fans saw it. They made more money by playing in the ACC last year. Uh, so all of that really helps in, in, for Notre Dame. From, from an ACC standpoint, look, we've been talking about this revenue gap and how does the ACC uh, minimize that revenue gap. We've been talking about this since Jim Phillips took over. The answers that I got were Texas and Notre Dame. Well, Texas is off the, off the table now. That means Notre Dame becomes a must for the ACC. All right, so I'm going to ask each of you to give me a one-word answer because we don't have time. Luke, do you think Notre Dame is playing in a conference within the next five years? No. David? I tend to agree with Luke's on this one. I think it's a no. All right, we appreciate uh, all the help. Follow David on Twitter, doing a great job covering all of this. Gentlemen, uh, there's a lot more to break down on this. We're going to keep it going. Appreciate you guys. All right. Coming off a national title game appearance, the Buckeyes look to continue their domination of the Big Ten, having won the conference outright for four straight years. But if the biggest question Ryan Day will have to answer is who replaces Justin Fields at quarterback. Fields is off to the NFL after posting a career 20-2 and record as a starter in Columbus. That's really good. But whoever is the starter at quarterback will get some major help with the return of wide receiver Chris Olave, who passed up a shot at the NFL to come back for his fourth season at Ohio State. So let's get some thoughts on this from our very own Jen Latta, who's out at Media Days. Jen, you skipped the, uh, the parade. Did you not go to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, championship parade? Fitzy, that was yesterday. That's oh, okay. why my voice is still hoarse. That's Always what I'm good to be about. with you. Yeah, you mentioned Ohio State's quarterback situation. This will be the first time in nearly 70 years that the Buckeyes don't return someone under center with actual in-game passing experience. But don't believe the rumors that are out there that this job has already been won by one of those candidates. When I talked to Ryan Day today, he said this is very much an open competition. Well, I think, you know, first off, for all these guys coming in, they have to understand that, you know, they have to help the quarterback, you know, especially on offense. You know, we, we have an unexperienced guy coming in, and, you know, everybody around him is going to help him make better. Uh, but he doesn't have to do anything, you know, extraordinary. He just has to do things routinely because we're really talented at receiver. We have a good offensive line. You know, Ruck, Jeremy Ruckert's back as our tight end. We have a really a bunch of uh, talented guys at running back. So. You know, he has to come in and just kind of run the offense. Um, doesn't need to do anything extraordinary. And then hopefully as the season grows on, that whole, that whole room will get better. 
Coach Day talking about the talent surrounding whomever is under center, and FPI tends to agree with him, saying that Ohio State is expected to have the best offense in the nation this year and should run away with the Big Ten. That's the prediction, of course, Fitz. Jen, before we let you go, we'd be remiss. I mean, everybody's talking about the possibility of Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. You've been around media days today for the Big Ten. What's the chatter been there about uh, this possibility? Yeah, I asked an awful lot of these head coaches what their thoughts were about Texas and Oklahoma and, and what it means for the Big Ten and other conferences around the country. One coach told me it was shocking and that he would be very much following what the Big 12 ends up doing next if, in fact, they start trying to poach teams from other leagues and would the Big Ten be affected by that. But I talked to another head coach who has actually been a part of conference realignment, and he used another S word. He said it can be scary because, again, and there's so much uncertainty that surrounds any type of realignment, certainly this close to the start of the season. But then he leaned on one of those age-old coaching adages that we hear all the time, Fitz. You control only what you can control and let everything else figure itself out. Jen, you are the best, my friend, as always. Thanks for joining us and thanks for the insight. All right, so let's bring back in Harry Lyles and Tom Luganville. And, you know, realistically, it's easy to give a lot of benefit of the doubt to Ohio State. Harry, are you good with the Buckeyes just being able to replace Justin Fields? Yeah, honestly, I think if you are a quarterback with no experience and you have to come into a job, there are not many that are better than Ohio State. Uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of names right there about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, those are two guys, you know, that's the best receiving core in college football. I mean, we're talking about two guys who are probably both at worst going to be late second round picks, or I think a lot of them are both, they're both probably going to be first round picks. Uh, I think Olave coming back was a shock to many. I know that, you know, the Buckeyes have options and it's allegedly still up in the air and things like that. But when you have a core like that, and I believe they have seven starters returning on offense, you know, there are worse situations going to, they should be okay. Uh, and I'll tell you, the, a, a young quarterback's best friend is the ability to run the ball. And we know Ohio State's going to run the ball. And I loved Ryan Day's answer because what he's saying is we don't have a Justin Fields-type athlete, okay? We don't have an upperclassman like a Dwayne Haskins. So the guy can't wear an S on his chest. He has to do what he's coached to do, all right, rely on the great players around him, and then grow and blossom. And I, I think this is one of the most intriguing quarterback battles, but it's also – the storyline of the offseason, is it not, guys? I mean, look at all the blue blood programs. Alabama, Texas A&M, okay, Clemson, Notre Dame. All right, we're just talking about Ohio State. All having to replace marquee players under center, and all of them are having to do it in the same year. Could make for a lot of fun uh, on the chase for the national title. Harry, do you believe you can win a national championship with an unproven quarterback if you're Ohio State? I think you can. I think Ohio State, you know, is up there with the likes of, you know, I think Alabama is obviously in their own tier, but I think then you, when you look down, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, where, yeah, like you have enough talent to where you can just do that. Uh, and, you know, I think that, they, like I said, they have the surrounding talent to make that happen. That, listen, you know what? It's already happened. It happened in 2014. You know, I, I was actually on the sideline when JT Barrett went down. Now you're to the, your third quarterback, all right, and you win the national title. Now, he wasn't a freshman, but they still won the national title.
Well, as Luke's referenced, we have plenty of teams right now across the landscape in college football that have unproven quarterbacks entering this season. It feels a little different than we're used to seeing. And, and frankly, it's not just Ohio State. I mean, DJ Uyunglele is the most experienced. We all feel like we know him at this point because of a few games. Bama's Bryce Young might be a millionaire, but he only has 22 attempts. And then the best name of the whole bunch, Hudson Card. I just like the name. I'm going to admit it. Hudson Card, three attempts at this point. So Kyle McCord sitting there, no attempts in Ohio State is banking on him so we'll see how it works out now we all expect greatness from the Buckeyes annually but last year Indiana also stepped up to the plate so the question is what are we expecting from the newly crowned football school this season we'll answer that coming up next Tomorrow night from the Apex in Vegas, another stacked UFC card. Former champ TJ Dillashaw makes his return to the octagon against second-ranked Corey Sanhagen in the bantamweight main event. The prelims start for Eastern, 1 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus, followed by the main card, 7 Eastern. All right, Indiana coming off one of their strongest season in ages. They went 6-2 in their eight games, 750 win percentage, their best since 1967. One player instrumental in repeating their success would be quarterback Michael Penix Jr. He missed the final three games last year after tearing his ACL, but is expected to be ready. Penix's top weapon is gone, though. Ty Freifogel was named Big Ten Receiver of the Year in 2020, but graduated last season. Freifogel had 721 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. This is what Coach had to say about replacing. You cast a vision for what you um, believe you can become at a certain place, and I did that when I came to Indiana and talked so much about changing the expectations and creating belief. And those expectations, expectations are beginning to change. But that's what it's about. It's about us building off of the success we had in 2020 because everything you did last year, it was awesome, it's great, but it's in the past. All right, gentlemen, Lugs, last year it was special to watch this team. Can they run it back? Well, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. I mean, we know that for sure. They're going to get everybody's best now. And, and I think the, Tom Allen, who is a, a sensational football coach, said it best right there. You raised the expectations, and I think that's one of the biggest, most challenging things for teams is when everybody's patting you on the back during an offseason telling you how good you are and you've arrived and you've now turned the corner. Are your kids mature enough to handle that? I think that's going to be a real important sign to see what type of team this is this year. Yeah, Tom, and you know, one thing about this Indiana team, we talk about the return of Michael Penix, and, you know, I actually talked to Tom Allen early last season, and he believes that Penix could end up not just being one of the best quarterbacks in this league, but one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And while he's an incredibly important part of this team, the defense is something that was really their strong suit last year. They're returning nine starters. They led the Big Ten in both interceptions and sacks. And actually, I believe that Justin Fields had thrown, I think, three interceptions prior to that game. And in the first half, that Indiana defense forced three. So that, that unit is something that everybody in the Big Ten should take seriously. Well, Lugs, I still look at this and ask the constantly, can you repeat that sort of locker room magic? Because they had it last year. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you could bottle locker room chemistry, you know, you, you'd be a multi-billionaire. You can't do that. You can carry <laughs> over jersey numbers. You can carry over jersey names. You can't carry over a locker room. 
I'm going to spend the rest of the day trying to figure out how to bottle that up because multi-billionaire sounds like <laughs> right. a lot of fun. One thing I know, it's good for the Big Ten. It's good for all, all of college football when successories like Indiana happen. And frankly, if they can grow to become something dominant and recurring, that only helps everybody. Through all this conversation we've had today about expansion and where's, who's going to go where, let's remember there are teams within conferences right now that simply by playing better can continue to make college football an even better story and more interesting. Tom Luganville, Harry Lyles, I'm Jason. And Fitz. This is going to be a wild couple of weeks in college football, even before we get on the field. Gentlemen, I appreciate your expertise and to everybody that has hung out with us. I cannot thank you enough. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on College Football Live.